So, tough question. Our question today is, why do I worry all the time? Hey, am I knocking on your door? Huh? Why do I worry all the time? And I guess a subsequent question with that is, is there any answer to my anxiety? Is there an answer to all the things that I worry about? Yes, there is an answer. And guess what? It's found in God's Word. We're going to be in Psalm 37 today. It is a psalm for all of you who worry. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because everyone would have to raise their hand. We all worry at times, some of us more than others. But here is God's remedy for worry, Psalm 37. It's like 40 verses long, but we're only going to look at the first eight right now. Here's what David says. Do not fret. Now, you understand the word fret means worry. Do, do you use the word fret? How many of you have said the word fret this past week? Any? Okay. A couple of you have. I, I asked uh, ask Angie, what do you think about, and I always throw her under the bus, but I said, Angie, what do you think about the word fret? And she says, well, I know what it means. It's, it's a good word, but it's kind of an old person's term. And I got to thinking about it. You know, it really is. In normal conversations, we usually don't say fret very often. It kind of is an old person term. But keep that in the back of your mind. It's a term for old people, all right? Are you with me? Smile, because it gets better, all right? Do not what? Fret, which means worry. Because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass... And wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light. And your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Do not because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not. It only causes. Don't fret. It will only cause bad things in your life. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak Psalm 37 into our hearts right now. May the Holy Spirit just really speak to us in a personal way. Teach us from this psalm how we can overcome the stress and the worries of life. For we ask it in your name. Amen. Now, let me switch gears and introduce this psalm to you. One of the, one of the good things about growing old is it's really not all that bad. Are you with me? Really, I mean, it's, it's not really bad to, to get old. In fact, the, the, the older we get, the more of life we've been able to see. You know? and, and if we use our time wisely, the older we get, the greater becomes our wisdom. Are you with me? I love Pearl Buck, and I love telling this story about Pearl Buck. Uh, when she was 80 years old, she said, I have reached an honorable position in life because I am old and no longer young. I am a far more useful person today than I was 50 years ago, or 40 years ago, or 30 years ago, 
or 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. She said, I have learned so much since I was 70. (laughs) Let that sink in. Isn't that a positive attitude? Well, the same thing can be said of David, king of Israel. David wrote music all of his life. In fact, the book of Psalms are actually songs that David wrote. He, he was a music person. We know this because when he was just a little bitty boy, he would go out in the pasture and take care of his daddy's sheep, and he would sing to those sheep. When he became a teenager and a young man, he was employed by King Saul to play the harp in King Saul's palace. He was a music man. But can I tell you that I believe some of the greatest songs that King David wrote were songs that he penned in his old age. For example, Psalms 37. You say, well, wait a minute. How do you know that David was an old man when he wrote Psalm 37? Because of verse 25. He himself said in verse 25, I have been young, but now I am old. And as he grew, he learned some things through the years. He learned some lessons, some secrets that could have only been garnered through the accumulation of maturity. And so in Psalm 37, he gives us all of this wisdom, the wisdom of an older man. And what does he give us? Here's what we're going to learn today. He gives us three words, ten lessons, and five promises. Okay, three words. How many lessons? Ten lessons. How many promises? Five promises. That means I have 18 points to give to you in 20 minutes. Can I do it? Oh, yeah, we can do it together. If we all listen, pay attention, there will be a quick exam right through the middle of this, all right? So write these things down. Write them down. Learn them. Either mark them in your Bible or mark them in your sermon note. Uh, on the back side of your bulletin, because you can use this stuff. You can implement this today in your life. First of all, the three words. They are the first three words of Psalm 37, verse 1. Read these three words with me. Do not fret. And there's that word that old people use, fret. Well, now you know why. David was an old man. But can I tell you the word fret is a cool word, uh, isn't it? Say it with me. One, two, three. Fret. It just sounds cool, doesn't it? In fact, it comes from an old English word which means to devour, to eat, to gnaw into something. So fretting is allowing worry to devour you, to gnaw like a rat into your spirit and into your heart. Hmm? The Hebrew word that David actually used 3,000 years ago is somewhat picturesque as well. The Hebrew term for fret had at its root the idea of something growing really warm and then blazing up like a coal, getting really hot, really warm, and then all of a sudden bursting into a blaze. So you put these two word pictures together and you can think of worry. As a rat, a little rat inside your soul, gnawing away at your peace. You think of of worry as Satan, the great arsonist, setting blazes aside in your heart for distress, devouring your heart and the peace that God gives. 
King David is saying something like this in Psalm 37. I have been young, and now I am old. I've seen many things. I've suffered many a burden. I've learned many a lesson. And based on a lifetime of experience, I have three words for you. Do not fret. Kill off the rats and put out the fires. Do not fret. It only causes harm. So that's our word for today. Three words. Do not fret. These three words are so important, you need to say them out loud with me so that you can hear yourself saying them. So on three, we're going to say these three words together. Are you ready? <laughs> One, two, three. Do not fret. Okay, that was, that was pretty good. Maybe three-fourths of you said it. We're not going to go on until everybody says it, all right? So let's all say it together on three again. One, two, three. Do not fret. That was better. Now let's say it like we really believe it, all right? This is God's word for us today. One, two, three. Do not fret. That's it, man. Now, I could just dismiss you and go home, but I've got more things to tell you, all right? That's great, but if you're like me, you're saying to yourself, well, that's all well and good, but, but I can't keep from worrying. I can't stop worrying. You might as well tell a river to turn around and flow backwards as to tell me not to worry. Well, as we read through Psalm 37, David suggests that we overcome worry by displacing it with 10 things. So he literally gives us 10 lessons from verses 1 through verse 9. 10 ways that we can overcome worry. And here's the deal. I, I don't have any cute acrostic for these. I, I don't have alliteration. We're just taking the words that come directly out of the Bible. Okay? These are the 10 things we're going to use. As it's printed in God's Word. You want to overcome worry? You want to get to a point where you do not fret, you do not worry? David said, here it is. You concentrate on these 10 things. When a worry presents itself to you, you do these things and you'll stop fretting. Are you ready? Number one, trust in the Lord. That's exactly the words in verse number three. It says, trust in the Lord. And its very essence, at its very essence, worry is the failure to trust God. You think of it. It's the opposite of trusting God. Really, it's a form of disbelief. And if you really want to get technical about it, it's a sin. For a believer to worry, it really is a sin. It means that we're not trusting God. We're worrying about the problems of life instead of trusting in the giver of life. In fact, it is the sin that kept the children of Israel out of the promised land where they had to wander in the wilderness for some 40 years. In fact, I would say that fear and faith are mutually exclusive. And that's why David is saying, do not fret. Instead, trust in the Lord. Likewise, the Lord Jesus told his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Okay? And so here, here's how it works. Here's how it works. Uh, 
a worry presents itself to us. And in, instead, of, instead of concentrating on that worry, that problem that can cause fretting in our life, we just stop right there and say, Lord, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to allow this distress, this problem to cause me to sin and not trust in you. Instead, I'm going to trust in you. So, Lord, here is this problem that is wanting me to concentrate on it and to put my view on it, my concentration on it and off of you. I'm giving it to you, and I'm trusting, Lord, that you're going to take care of it. So instead of fretting and worrying, we're trusting God to handle the problems of life. So, really, it's a trust exercise, Next time a worry comes into your life, a problem presents itself, just stop right there and pray, Lord, I'm giving this one to you, dude. Well, don't call God dude, you know. <laughs> you dude, give it to God. I'm trusting you with this, Lord. So number one, trust, trust in the Lord. Number two, do good. If you want to alleviate the worry in your life, just do good. In other words, when you're tempted to fret and worry, you need to divert yourself. Don't sit in your living room with the curtains drawn, wringing your hands. Because the longer you sit there and the more you think about the problem, the more harm you're going to cause to yourself. So throw open the curtains, get up, and do something. Find something that needs to be done. Get busy. Divert your mind from worrying to being creative and doing something. And the best thing you can do is help somebody else out. You know, because when we worry, we're, oh, woe is me. I've got this problem. It's so overwhelming. Oh, blah, me, 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 me. You know what? There are other people with bigger problems than you. So stop concentrating on your problems and do something to help someone else who is in need. During the height of World War II, someone asked Winston Churchill if he worried about his tremendous responsibilities, to which he said, well, I'm too busy. I don't have time to worry. So there you go. Divert yourself. Do something good. And you say, well, I don't have anything to do. I can't find anything to do. I can't think of anything good to do. Come to the church. We'll give you some things to do. All right? We'll help you in that. Number three, in verse three, it says, dwell in the land. Now, that's kind of odd. What in the world does that mean? Well, I think it means don't panic. Don't cave in and don't run away from your problems. Don't run away from what is worrying you. In other words, God has given you the power to dig your heels in. He did for the children of Israel. He gave them the promised land, the land that he had promised Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. They were possessing Canaan land, the land of Israel. But you know what? All of the enemies around them wanted them to flee the land. Native Palestinians wanted to take over the territory. And they were always pinching in from the sides. They were always setting fires to burn the Israelites out. But here, David is saying, when you have enemies trying to drive you out of the land, don't panic, don't run away. Relax in the power of God and dig your heels in. Remember that God gave you this land. 
And if you simply trust him and are obedient to him, he will protect you and he will preserve you. So don't panic. Dwell in the land. Now, how does that apply to us, church? Well, can I tell you, we have an enemy. And our enemy wants to rob us of peace of mind. The enemy doesn't want you to have a peace that passes all understanding. He wants to eat away at your faith. He wants to torch the joy that God puts in your heart. But the Lord expects us to dig in our heels and to dwell in the land. So don't let the devil chase you out of the place that God has given you perfect peace and awesome joy. Just dig your heels in. Say, no way, devil. That worry is not going to cause me to flee from the joy of the Lord. Number four, are you ready for number four? It's feed on God's faithfulness. And literally, those are the words that are found in, in verse number three. Feed on his faithfulness. Isn't that a great phrase? Literally, it's a great phrase, but how do we do it? I think we feed on God's faithfulness by grazing on the scriptures. By reading and memorizing and claiming God's promises, feeding on his faithfulness. What an antidote to worry. Listen to me, listen to me. Everything you worry about, everything in life that we could possibly worry about, I believe God has an answer for in his word. So when the worry comes, when the fretting starts, all you need to do is claim some promises in God's word. And instead of concentrating on the problem that is causing you worry, concentrate on God's word, which gives you the answer to the problem. Now, how do we do that? Literally, well, you, you got to get into the word of God. You got to read it yourself. If, if, if you are expecting to get everything you need from the Word of God by coming to church on Sunday morning and listening to me preach, you're going to starve spiritually. You've got to dig into the Word every day, but it's not, it's not enough just to read the Word. You've got to take it to the next step. You need to do what we talked about two weeks ago, and that is meditate on God's Word. Remember that? Psalm 1, meditate. The word meditate means to revolve it over and over in your mind, kind of like a cow chewing its cud. Remember that story? What did I say? Be the cow. Be the cow. That is. Meditate on God's Word. I'm, I'm rereading a book written by a good friend of mine, Rob Morgan, who uh, pastors the Donaldson Free Will Baptist Church in Nashville. He's, he's pastor emeritus now. He goes out and speaks a lot. He's written like 40 books but one of his books, one of his best books is on biblical meditation. And here's what Pastor Rob says. He says that most of us read our Bibles and, and just read it and that's all we do. We read it and say, okay, I'm going to mark it off the checklist. I've read God's Word. He says it doesn't work like that. You've got to take what you've read in the morning and meditate on it all day long. You think it through. During the day, because the more you think on it, the more you're going to flesh it out and do it, which is the ultimate goal in getting close to God. You read the Word, you allow the Word of God to saturate your life, and then you flesh it out and obey the Word of God. And if you want an antidote to your worry, I would simply say you need to go to the Word of God. Feed on God's 
faithfulness. Number five, are you with me? Verse number four literally says, delight yourself in the Lord. That is, you find your daily joy and your fulfillment in him. Why? Look at me. Everybody look at me. Because the Lord does not disappoint. The Lord does not disappoint. Now, you know, I, I love people. I love my family. I love you guys. But can I tell you something? Sometimes people are fickle. Have you figured that out about people? I mean, I, I'm not saying don't trust people, don't love people, because that's what life is based on, relationships, you know? And even though people are going to let you down, you still got to love them. But if you are depending on friendships and other people to bring you the peace that you need to stabilize your life, you're going to be gravely disappointed because other people are going to let you down. And if you are depending upon the substance of things that you can accumulate in life to bring you peace and joy and fulfillment, you're going to be gravely disappointed because you can lose everything just like that. The only thing that does not disappoint is God himself. So I would say to you, find your delight in the, in the Lord. Trust in him. He'll give you the desires of your heart. That brings us to number six, which is found in verse number five. Commit your way to the Lord. You, you commit your life to God. You commit your way to God. I think Peter expressed a similar thought when he told us that we can cast all of our cares on him, on God. Why? Because God cares for us. That is, we can entrust our lives into his keeping and into his care. Listen, God knows what he's doing. God knew you before you were formed in your mama's womb. He knows everything about you. He knows the number of hairs that you have on your head right now, even if it's in the single digits. God knows. God knows. And you know what? I think he's a pretty reliable person that we can commit our future and our lives to. So instead of worrying about problems, we need to commit our life and our problems to the Lord. Number seven it's found in verse 5b. It, it's that trust the Lord thing again. Trust the Lord. So he started with that, trust the Lord. And then two-thirds down the list, he says it again in verse 5b. Trust also in him. Are you picking up what he's putting down? The most essential factor in overcoming worry in your life is trusting in the divine. It's trusting in the problem solver. It's trusting in... In God. So we trust the Lord. Number eight, found in verse seven, literally it says, rest in the Lord. Now, that's a wonderful little phrase, rest in the Lord, that's repeated throughout the Bible. And it refers to this calm, composed, and confident spirit that comes from a person who has peace with God. That, that calm, composed confident spirit that, that when this world is spinning out of control and when your life is spinning out of control and problems are coming from all sides, you're not in a panic, you're not in a frizzy, you're not fretting, you're not worrying. You're just calm. It, it's not because you don't care. You, you desperately care. It's because you know who holds tomorrow and you know 
who holds your hand. Number nine, wait patiently for him. Verse seven, the exact words, wait patiently for God. I think much of our anxious worry and striving involves timing. God doesn't always move as quickly as we want him to. And so what happens? We become impatient. And we try to solve the problem on our own. Can I tell you, every time I've done that, every time I've become impatient and instead of waiting on God to solve the problem and I try to solve it myself, guess what happens? I make it worse. I mean, I do. I mess things up and make things worse. Here's what I've learned in 58 years of living. Because you know what? I was once young. And now I'm a prime timer. I'm writing the prime things now, man. Here's, here's what I've learned. You know, when there's a problem, and most of my problems involve people. How about you? Okay. What I usually have found out is, you know what? God's working. God's working in their life and God's working in my life. And, and when I try to superimpose my will or my decision on this problem, and when I try to fix it myself and I get ahead of God, I'm robbing not only that other person but myself of some valuable lessons that God is wanting to teach us. And if I will just simply be patient and wait on God, I'll see that God is working in this other person's life, solving other problems that maybe they have, making them a better person, and at the same time, he's solving the problems in my life, making me a better person. So here's what we do. We wait patiently on him. Then number 10, the last lesson, cease from your anger and forsake your wrath. Again, that is found right out of verse number 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. In other words, calm down. Hold your horses. Cool your jets. Don't become so overwrought. Don't get worked up so quickly. Just take a deep breath Say an earnest prayer, trust God, and allow him to work. You know why? You're his child. If Jesus is your Savior, you are a child of God. And there's no reason in the world for you to get worked up and to become angry and wrathful and spiteful. You just trust God because he's going to take care of you. Now, perhaps you're saying to yourself, that's all well and good, but let me tell you something, preacher, it's hard to do. Sometimes I can hardly help getting worked up and overwrought. I feel like I'm going into a panic almost every day of my life. It's hard for me to trust the Lord and to do good and to dwell in the land and to be calm and composed and confident. You know why, preacher? There's so many things to worry about. Well, for those of us who feel that way, the psalmist devotes the rest of this chapter, chapter 37, to giving you promises. And he's saying this in the rest of the chapter. If you will do these 10 things, if, if you'll, and let me condense it down to this, if you will trust in the Lord, if you'll dig your heels in, if you become confident in God, if you don't panic, if you remain calm and cool, and collective during these tough times, and just give them back to God. If you do these things, 
Here are the promises I give to you. And the rest of the chapter is full of them. I only have time for five of them, but I think they're the five best. The first one is found in verse 11. It says, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. So he's saying if we do what this psalm tells us to do, the Lord is going to promise us abundant peace. Now, the word abundant simply means more than enough. Isn't that cool? More than enough. In other words, the person who has a relationship with God through Jesus Christ will experience more than enough pardon for your sin. You will experience more than enough forgiveness. You will experience more than enough life, abundant and free. More than enough answers to prayer. More than enough grace from God. And according to Psalm 37 verse 11, if you trust in the Lord, you will receive more than enough peace to calm down your heart when your world is spinning out of control. Promise number one, abundant peace. Lord, sign me up for that one. (laughs) Boy, I need it. The second promise is in verse 23. The steps of a good man, and in parentheses I put woman, because I believe women, women too, a good man, a good woman. You with me? Ladies, you with me? Okay. The steps of a good man or a good woman are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. So when we obey God's commands in this psalm, we have not only abundant peace, but we also have this promise of ordered steps. In other words, we have the assurance of God's guidance. So we got this problem right here. We don't know what to do. We don't know what decision to make. We don't know which way to go. We don't know who to trust. Our life is in a frenzy. We don't know what to do. But listen, if you trust God and you do what he says in this psalm, God is going to order your steps. So guess what? There's no need of horoscopes. You don't need Ouija boards. You don't need to call in on the psychic hotline. Because God's got a plan for our life. And God knows what he's doing. You know this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. He will order your steps. Promise number three is found in verse 25. It's the promise of daily bread. I love verse 25. I've been young, now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants, his seed, begging bread. That's a great promise right there. You know know what that means? That means if you trust God with all of life, he's going to take care of you. You're not going to have to worry about what you're going to eat. Why? Because he supplies daily bread. He gives you exactly what you need for that day. Every morning when I read scripture and pray, my morning prayer, I'll include the Lord's prayer, the model prayer that Jesus gave us. I'll say, I'll say something like this. I kind of personalize it. I'll say, Lord, may your kingdom come today. May your will be done on earth as it's already recorded in heaven. And may I accomplish 
what you want for my life. You, I know you already have it in, in heaven. May through my volitional will, I flesh out your good, acceptable, and perfect will. And then here's this phrase. Lord, get me today exactly what I need for today. Now, what Jesus said is, give us this day our daily bread. I, I kind of widen that a little bit and say, Lord, you know what I need today. You, you know the wisdom I'm going to need. You, you know the physical stuff that I'm going to need. You know the amount of compassion and mercy and forgiveness that I'm going to need in my heart. Lord, you know the patience I'm going to need today. And I pray that for this day, today, this very day, you would give me exactly what I need. Now, here's the deal. Look at me. I've been alive for 58 years. 52 of those years I've been a believer in Jesus Christ. And I can, I can tell you this with all assurance. There has not been a single day that God's let me down. Every single day of my life, God has showed up and he's given me exactly what I've needed for that day. So why in the world would I worry about whatever Satan throws at me today or tomorrow? My God is able and he will take care of me. Number four, timely strength is found in verse 39. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble, timely strength. You know, here's what I found out, church. The Lord doesn't promise to, to keep us from trouble, but he does promise to give us the strength when we are in trouble. He gives us timely strength when we need it. He gives it. James Cash Penny was from a long line of Baptist preachers. He grew up in a Baptist preacher's home. His granddaddy was a Baptist preacher. He was a young man of faith. I mean, he was honest in everything he did, even, even as a small child. When he grew up and became a teenager and a young man, he didn't smoke, he didn't cuss, he didn't drink, he didn't chew. He didn't even go with girls who did. Anyway. Hard worker. Diligent. But in 1929, the Great Depression hit. And he found himself in a bad strait because he had made some maybe unwise business decisions and they were catching up with him and, um, and they turned sour. And I tell you, it, it, it plagued him because he was an honest man and, and he was going to do the right thing, but he saw his life crumbling and he worried about it. He worried about it so much that he couldn't sleep at night. Now, it's not like he woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning worrying about it. He couldn't even go to sleep. He couldn't even fall asleep because he was worried so much. He was fretting so much about the problems in his life. They were totally consuming him. And then on top of that, he got the shingles. <laughs> and so he went into the hospital, but he found no relief even in the hospital. They gave him medication and drugs and, and, um, and therapy and tranquilizers, but, but it did not stop his stress and his worry. In fact, here's what Mr. Penny said. I was broken nervously and physically, filled with despair, unable to see even a ray of hope. I had nothing to live for. I felt I hadn't a friend in the world, and I believed that even my family had turned against me. And one night, he was so oppressed with this heavy depression and worry and anxiety that he didn't think he was going to live through the night. 
Literally, he felt his heart beating on the inside. He thought, my heart is going to explode. I'm going to die before the morning. And so in his hospital room, he sat down and wrote a farewell letter, not only to his wife, but to each one of his sons. But you know what? He didn't die. The next morning, he, he heard voices down the hallway from the hospital room he was in. He opened the door, and he heard from the chapel their singing. They were singing, be not, be not dismayed, whatever betide, God will take care of you. And so he made his way down to the chapel, and he slipped inside and sat on the back pew. And he listened to the songs they were singing. He heard the scriptures they were reading. He prayed the prayers with them. And here's what he said. Suddenly, something happened. I can't explain it. I can only call it a miracle. I felt as if I had been instantly lifted out of the darkest, deepest dungeon into a warm and brilliant sunlight. And all of a sudden, he said, all of my fears left me. They scurried away. And he realized more than he had ever realized in his life that God was with him and that God loved him and that God cared for him. And did you know from that day forward, J.C. Penney never was plagued with worry again. In fact, he said, I didn't worry a day in my life after that day in the hospital room. And, and he said this about that moment in, the, in that chapel. He said, they were the most dramatic and glorious 20 minutes of my life because God changed me. When he died at 95 years of age, he left behind 1,660 department stores with his name on them. Can I tell you, God gives us timely strength. Something I also read about J.C. Penney Later in life, he tithed 90% of his income. Put that in your hip pocket. Yeah. And finally, what does God give us? Eternal salvation. Look at verses 39 and 40. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He, he is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall keep them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them. Why? Because they are trusting. There's that phrase again. They are trusting in him. Listen to me. I'm about to shut up, but listen to this. Without Jesus Christ in your life, you have every reason to worry. In fact, let me say it like this. Without Jesus Christ, you ought to be fretting. You ought to be worried. Without him, we have no hope. We have no future. We have no forgiveness. We have no eternal life. But when we come to the cross of Jesus Christ and look to Jesus for salvation from sin, God changes our life. God saves us through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. He becomes our savior, our Lord, and our friend. He not only saves us, he sets us free. And he gives us something the world doesn't know anything about. He gives us peace. Listen to this verse. Paul said, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That peace comes when we receive Jesus. Before that, you are at enmity with God. There is a war going on in your soul with God. God wants to save you and set you free, but the old man is fighting against God. 
Yet when you surrender to Jesus and invite him into your life, there is now peace with God. And when that peace with God is established, here's the benefit. You get the peace of God. When you make peace with God, you get the peace of God. And the world ain't got it, nor can the world touch it. So, there it is. Why do I worry all the time? You don't have peace with God. I don't know of a better day for you today than this very day to make peace with God. And all you have to do is come and invite Jesus into your heart. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Trust him as your Savior and Lord. And bingo, you can have peace. And if you're here today and you've never done that, I invite you to come during this invitation and make peace with God. Maybe you're here and you've been saved, but you've allowed fretting to come back into your life. You've allowed those little rats to start gnawing in your soul. You've allowed the great arsonist, our arch enemy, to light those fires of worry in your life. And it's stealing your joy and your peace. I invite you to come. And when you come down here, you just bring all the things you've been worrying about. Bundle them up. And bring them right down here and put them on this altar and just give them to God. Say, Lord, the devil's been trying to defeat me with these worries, but he ain't going to defeat me anymore. Today I'm digging my heels in. I'm trusting you and I'm giving you these problems and these worries. You know what? You can walk out of here a lot lighter than when you walked in. Heavenly Father.